step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man who was called Mal Evans, who was on roadie. And uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. You can join the Doug Gottlieb Show next Wednesday. We're going to broadcast live from the Farmers Insurance Open, Tory Pines, in San Diego. We mm. are farmers. Bum, ba, da, bum, 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 bum. Mm. 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 Happy birthday to Dan Beyer. Yesterday, my birthday. Today, Dan Beyer's birthday. Tomorrow, wait till you hear what crew member's birthday is tomorrow. <laughs> Beyer. We may hire somebody. We may hire somebody. Uh, um... Uh, Whose who's birthday is tomorrow, just so we continue this run of birthdays in the month of January. The great Bob Costas will join us upcoming next. I want to ask him about Manny Machado. The reported deal is seven years, $175 million. 
Now, listen, if I took off Manny Machado and if I didn't tell you it was baseball and I just said guy was offered seven years, $175 million, I'd be like, damn. And then I said baseball, you'd say, and Manny Machado said, damn, that doesn't sound very good. We'll get to, is, is this a market correction? Is it because he's Johnny Hustle? We got to get dig in with this. We'll do so with Bob Costas upcoming 20 minutes from now. Um, Bruce Arians had some interesting words in regards to Antonio Brown. And the Patriots are doing this us against the world thing. And it's really starting to work. Because people are accusing them of things that actually make them look better. All right, let's get to we'll get to that. Sam Amick joins us. Greg Cosell joins us. Man, we got a great show. Speaking of Sam Amick, he covers the NBA for The Athletic. We'll get his thoughts. He did a piece on Luke Walton and whether or not Luke Walton thinks that his job is in jeopardy. Of course, they got a win last night. No tacos at Staples. They scored 107, but allowed a late run and allowed 100 points, which means no tacos. Late push by the Chicago Bulls, although could have covered on one free throw. Would have been a bad beat uh, if you had the Lakers in seven instead Shaq Harrison, the uh, young guard out of Tulsa, played at the University of Tulsa from Kansas City, actually, missed a free throw with essentially no time left after making the first two. But I, I was I was watching the Warriors play in the first quarter. I saw they had 51 points, which is the highest scoring quarter of the season in the NBA. I mean, 51 points is obscene, right? Just obscene. And there's so many different parts to it. There was a little, the Warriors last night was a little bit like the Sixers last night. You know, a couple games where, you know, it's a midweek game. For example, Staples Center where I went, it's raining outside, not a ton of buzz in the building, whatever. It ain't great. But um, while those games may not matter as much to fans, To the players, I mean, Jimmy Butler clearly wanted to make a statement. Joel Embiid wanted to make a statement, and they won 149-107. Did you see what the Pacers did to the Suns? 131-97. Hell, I don't know if you saw the Hawks beat the Thunder. 142-26. The Bucks smashed the Heat 124-86. But but let's focus on the Warriors' 142-11. They scored 51. 51 in the first quarter. And this is a team that seemed to be wandering a little bit in the desert, waiting for Steph to get back healthy. Then once they got healthy, waiting for DeMarcus Cousins to finally play. And that full squad is supposed to be together for their next game against the Pelicans tonight. They win 142-111 against Nuggets, who... All of a sudden, people had started to pay attention to it and say, well, maybe the Nuggets are a challenger in the West. And that's when the Warriors kind of stomped out any of, their, any of the hope of all that. Right? Think about that for a second. People were legitimately, legitimately paying attention to the Denver Nuggets. Steph Curry said, we've been paying attention. We know who's been playing well, and to be honest, we haven't been playing well against playoff teams in the West. We kind of want to correct that going into the last half of the season. So this is a big night for us to continue to build momentum. We want to be able to carry this and put a nice little streak together, and we're doing it. 
Do you know what the Golden State Warriors were guilty of? Boredom. By the way, if you've been paying attention to the Warriors, though they dim and dominate the Kings, they beat the Kings in Sacramento, beat the Knicks at home, beat the Bulls at home, beat the Mavericks on the road, beat the Nuggets uh, on the road. Now they return home and they got the Pelicans, and suddenly the Warriors look, well, a little bit more like the Warriors. They got the Clippers on the road. Then they, they got a big road swing after that. Lakers, Boston, Washington, Indiana, then home for Philadelphia, home for the Lakers. LeBron will be back for that one. And then the San Antonio Spurs. They, they got themselves in a little bit of trouble. They got themselves in a little bit of a mess when they lost, what, three out of five and things weren't going well and they lose up in Portland. They lose to Houston in overtime. I, they weren't playing great. They're just bored. They're guys. End of the day, they're not human beings. They're guys. And you ask any guy the dumbest thing they've ever done that was correctable or fixable, they just say, yeah, I was just bored. Why'd you do it? I don't know. I was just bored. Just bored. Right? And why? Why? Why did you take that meeting with our arch rival who's fighting for the same client squirt? I, you know, I was just I bored of going to work and doing the same thing. And I, I wasn't going to take the job, but I was bored. Hey, man, you can't take a meeting with our rival. They're going to poach you for information. You can't do that. You even go back to high school days. Right? Go back to high school days. Uh, we went and hit lunch, hit uh, mailboxes with, with baseball bats. Why'd you do it? I don't know. We were just bored. It was a Friday night. And, you know, we were like, we don't want to go drinking and, and getting into any serious trouble. So we started driving around and we had a bat in the car. And then we're like, hey, what would it be like if we hit a, hit a mailbox with a baseball bat? And then he hit one. And you're like, what would it be like if we hit a bunch of them in a row? It was kind of fun. But we were bored. You start not paying attention in class and missing things. Why? Because you're bored. That's what happened with the Warriors. It is sheer and utter boredom. And and the difference in the boredom of, of football and the boredom of basketball is teams like Look, the, the Patriots don't allow their players to become complacent because they get rid of them. Additionally, the challenges of the NFL, you can't play bored in the NFL or you get embarrassed. But there is a different gear that the Warriors clearly had when they're paying attention. And we've seen so many teams in the past. Hell, how many Cavaliers teams did this with LeBron James where they didn't have the best record in the East? Because they got a little bored. Because they knew LeBron would kind of bail them out and they'd go on a run and they didn't need home court advantage in the East. You just win one game and now you have home court advantage. And now the pressure's on the other team to win games. So, do I think the Warriors are great? Well, last night they were. Clay Thompson had four dunks. That's how good they were. I don't know if you've been paying attention. Everybody pay attention, obviously, to Steph Curry. Steph had 48 two nights ago. Has anybody been paying attention to, to Kevin Durant? Like Durant has been kind of laughably, crazily, crazy efficient here of late. 
Like he's just been like, what's the what's the fewest shots I can take and score the most points? Last night he took 15 shots, scored 27 points. That's crazy. Against the Bulls last Friday, he took 11 shots and scored 22 points. Right? Like, what's the least I can do and the most I can do with it? Don't get me wrong. When called upon, if his night, if it's his night, he can give you 40, he can give you 50. But they were impressive last night, and it was one of those, oh, you know what? You're going to talk about that other guy? You're going to talk about that other team? We're not going to be bored anymore. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. We break open modern day conspiracies and tell you which elements may be the real deal. Like, did Bill Gates use COVID vaccines to microchip us all? We all do have tracking devices. Mm -hmm. We carry them around. We spend a lot of money on them. And what's actually on Hunter Biden's laptop? You are talking to the guy that has three of Hunter Biden's laptops and cell phone. And what did the deep state build under Denver airport? Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two this is our podcast and we're going to do it our way listen to our way on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts welcome to 500 greatest songs a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers 
or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We have more insightful conversations between myself, Paul Muldoon, and Paul McCartney about his life and career. It was 20 years ago today. We had a big bear of a man, it's called Mal Evans, who's our roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, Will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. I said, What? Sergeant Pepper? This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, here, there and everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get to Bob Costas, of course has covered every sport and covers Major League Baseball for the MLB Network. Um, is this a market correction? Is this simply a low-ball offer coming out? What's your make? What, what do you make of Buster Olney's report that Machado has been offered seven years, 175, and we haven't heard any numbers in regards to Harper and Machado previous to this? Except for the $300 million that the Nats supposedly offered uh, Harper to stay. $300 million for 10 years, supposedly. Um, I don't know if it's an overall market correction because it always only takes one, whether this year or next year, to change that, one team willing to make uh, that kind of investment. But it's clear that from the analytics and what common sense tells us that even for players in their prime, like Harper and Machado, guys in their mid-20s and entering their prime, the analytics say that 10 years is a lot to invest, not just because of the probability of declining performance, but you also have the, the risk of long-term injury and that kind of thing. Uh, so I think you're, you're going to get lower offers. You might get higher uh, than previously expected um, annual salaries, but you're not going to get it over 10 years. Yeah, uh, the, the Bryce Harper one is weird, though, because we've, we've heard that from, from his camp, from Boris. And Boris also said that he had a deal already done before he became a free agent. Like, look, if that's true... How come if, if he was offered three hundred million, how come he hasn't taken it? And if he really had an offer outside of the Nationals before he became a free agent, how come he hasn't taken it? It it feels like people are calling his bluff, and it, that's exactly what it is because there just isn't a bidder that's willing to go that many years yeah. with that many dollars. Yeah, because it isn't just the dollars, um, at least not directly. Although it's considerable, it's part of what they have to take into account. But it's what does it do? to the rest of your team construction, not just this year, but down the road. Um, What kind of flexibility are you going to have down the road? Well, there's also this other part. Like, look, last year it was about the veterans and guys that were – you know, older players, and they were getting, well, I don't know if you call it low ball or the, the market correction, whatever, and that, that, changed, um, that, that changed the sport dramatically. And then this year, 
you have so many teams going to this idea of using the analytics for platooning players. Why would we overpay for one player when we can under we can underpay for two players who are maybe average players on their own, but when they only hit against you know only hit on one side of the plate, suddenly they become much better players and much more effective. And again, the bottom line is help. And then you factor in how much how many more bullpen guys are needed again because of the analytics yeah. and how the game is managed. And so. Uh, there's a lot of things working against Machado, a lot of other factors working against Machado and Harper in this free agency. Yeah, of course, Machado has two other factors working against him. I think the antics of this past October, uh, coupled with the track record that he had prior to that, mm-hmm. has hurt him more than he thought. I think he thought he could brush it off, but that's not the case. Teams have, at least some of them, have misgivings or doubts about what that does to the clubhouse culture. And there's also this, and I haven't heard it mentioned very often. It's not as extreme as the Coors Field effect, but look at Machado's numbers. I'm not saying he isn't a great young player. He absolutely is. But look at Machado's numbers at Camden Yards, which is a hitter's paradise. And look at his numbers on the road. Big difference. What about Bryce Harper? I mean, he's interesting because... um... Look, we don't maybe pay attention to batting average like we did when when I was mm-hmm. a kid, you know, or when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, there there are such incredible swings and a lack of a lack of consistency in terms of like what is he? There has been some injuries as well. Um, like he's kind of an interesting one because, in spite of his prodigious talent. And and the peaks, there's also some valleys there, which make you cautious in terms of, again, how long and how much you invest. Yeah, and obviously he makes more sense for certain teams than others. If the price was right, uh, I think the Phillies would still be a good landing spot for him in that ballpark. You think about the Yankees. The only thing wrong with the Yankees, and other than the fact that they're in the same division as the Red Sox, is that they're right-handed heavy in a ballpark that rewards left-handed power hitting. But again, they feel they have a good enough team, and Brian Cashman is prudent enough that he wouldn't pursue Harper unless the price were right. Bob Costas joining us here, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I want to have you on because, obviously, throughout your time covering sports, you have the ability to to gain incredible perspective. And we're watching a couple things. We're getting ready to watch Tom Brady play, and Mm -hmm. like this run is unbelievable, right? I mean... Was it 13 AFC Championship games in 19 years? That's yep. just that that that's obscene. And of course, you lived through and called games and and were a part of of sports talk when the San Francisco 49ers were every bit as as dominant, maybe even more dominant over a shorter period of time. Compare and contrast the the the, the two runs, what the Patriots have done and what the Niners did. As you imply in your question, Doug, it's a little bit apples and oranges. It was possible to keep teams together for a longer time because you didn't have the advent of free agency in the NFL quite yet as we know it now. So the Cowboys stayed together. The 49ers stayed together. They had to get past each other in that period of time. And this takes nothing away from what Belichick, Brady, uh, and the Patriots have accomplished in this extraordinary run. But it doesn't hurt that they've been in the AFC East, which generally speaking has provided little resistance and you rack up all those wins, and you win the division, and even in a year like this when they're clearly not as good as they have been in past years, they're able to position themselves for a first-round bye, you know, um, and you know, had, had um, 
the Colts upset the Chiefs, then, then they'd be at home against the Colts in the AFC Championship game. So sure. they, they, they do, year in, year out, start with an advantage, but it's an advantage they've never fumbled or virtually never fumbled. All right, maybe here's, here's another one, okay? We're watching the Warriors, and they've won three NBA titles in mm-hmm. four years. And, of course, in the 90s at NBC, you guys had kind of the, the, the glory years there of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, there was the year off, and then the Jordan came back mid-year, and they lost to the, the Orlando Magic in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, how, how comparable are those two runs uh, I, I I do know that the rosters are again roster composition different in that the Warriors are more front loaded, uh, mm-hmm. but you still have two ridiculously dominant franchises over a a prolonged period of time in their sport. How similar are they in terms of how they play in the regular season and how the world reacts to them? Well, as I remember it, uh, Jordan's Jordan's Bulls not only won the six titles, but they were seldom pushed to the limit. I only think they were taken to the limit like twice in all those playoff series. Uh, I think they're still in the modern era, or it's like since the since the 90s on. I think there's still a gold standard. Maybe there's a bias there because I was more directly connected to it. The Warriors have been incredible. And remember, the one year that the, the Cavaliers derailed them, that's the year they set the record for the best single-season mark, and they were up three games to one in the series, and somehow... Uh, it slipped away. Otherwise, we'd be talking about four straight. Um, and there isn't really much difference in terms of what they accomplished except a play here and a play there. And you'd be talking about four straight, and maybe people would take that comparison to the Bulls more seriously. I mean, they're on track to make that comparison uh, real, although not, they're not as dominant this year as they have been in recent years, but they still certainly have a crack at the championship. And if they were to do that, then I think people would start to talk uh, about that comparison um, more seriously. But in terms of the public imagination, you still got Jordan, and this is to take nothing away from Durant or Curry or Thompson or anybody else on that team. You still got Jordan at the heart of the Bulls, and he wasn't just a basketball star. He was an American icon while he was still playing, transcended everything, aggregated an enormous audience for all those finals on NBC. So I think the impact that it had, this is different than analyzing it from a technical basketball standpoint, the impact that it had on the public imagination was greater with the Bulls. Bob Costas joining us, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. All right, so Jordan then probably compares more to LeBron. And there are some of my media brethren that say, hey, look, we never covered anybody like we cover LeBron. And part of that is because there's so many more channels, so many more outlets, podcasts, radio shows, whatever. Uh, on the other hand, like you had your own talk show and you were, you know, you, there was if there was one game, there was only one game on a weekend. You were doing that one game or they were doing that one studio show. Mm-hmm. So. But so there was, wasn't there a substantial amount of criticism and critique of Jordan before he won those titles that in many ways is similar to the criticism and the critique at times that LeBron James faces? Yeah, you know, you got to get over the hump. You got to win the title, whether it's Barry Bonds or whomever it is. You, you have to have that. Um, and remember, when Jordan's career started, uh, the Celtics and Lakers are still terrific teams. And then the Pistons rose up. Uh, and, and were in, I, if memory serves, three consecutive finals and won two of them. And eventually the Bulls had to get past them, which they did in dramatic fashion, before going on to beat the Lakers for the first of their six titles. So there's always going to be that. You know, has, has this guy led his team to a championship or championships? And there were some murmurs about that with Jordan, but he silenced all of those many, many times over. 
Uh, you, you just concluded 40 years at NBC. Mm-hmm. I, I want When you close your eyes and you think of, uh, of the, your favorite memory, because you covered everything. I mean, literally everything, right? Mm-hmm. Your favorite memory is what? Can I pick three? Go. Jordan's last shot against Utah to seal the sixth championship. The classic jumper. He held the pose. One-point uh, deficit into a one-point lead. Couldn't ask for a more dramatic ending than that. And even though he came back with the Wizards, that's almost a footnote. That's really the end of his career. And I don't know that any prominent athlete ever ended his career on a more dramatic and fulfilling note. Ted Williams hit a home run in his last time at bat, but it wasn't in the World Series. Uh, speaking of the World Series, Kirk Gibson's home run. It, it, it was more than dra- dramatic. It was cinematic. Yeah. In fact, before Game 2 of that World Series in 88, uh, NBC's pregame show began with a piece that intercut Gibson's at-bat with Robert Redford's at-bat as Roy Hobbs in the natural, and it was eerie how similar the whole thing Similarly, the whole thing played out, and how beautifully and almost cinematically the live telecast of a baseball game, directed by the legendary Harry Coyle, was almost as good as what Barry Levinson put together in The Natural. That's how wonderfully they captured it, along with Vince Scully's great call, in the moment that night. So it wasn't just what happened in the ballpark. It was the way it was transmitted to the country in such dramatic and artful fashion that fixes it in the mind's eye. And the third thing... I'm not picking them in order, but the third thing on this list for now is Muhammad Ali lighting the torch in Atlanta yeah. in the opening ceremony in '96. Um, let me go back to uh, let me go back to, to Scully because because there's also Jack Buck's call on radio was amazing as well. I don't Great. believe what I just saw. I don't believe, but but Scully with the what was the in the year which has given us the no in the, the year that in a year that has been so improbable the impossible has happened. Yeah. I was, just, I was. I get. Chill, I get chills. Stephen, thinking about that moment. We talked about it last last couple of years during during the World Series and the Jordan thing. You know, again, lost in how magical that shot was. Is he stole the ball and then went down and got the game winning shot? By the by the way, he had a bucket, a couple free throws, and then had the steal over against Carl Malone. Came from Correct. the backside, right? Like he Correct. literally did everything to win that game. He did. He did everything. Scottie Pippen had a bad back. He, he was very rickety going up and down the court. He could barely move. I think he scored 10 points in the game. So Jordan just had to take the game over. He shot well under 50%, although he had a, had a slew of points at the free throw line. Shot well under 50% in the game. But he, you talk about usage rate, <laughs> he had the ball almost every time down the floor. Uh, listen, I, I wanted, I'd love to have you on as often as you're available. In the meantime, we'll just enjoy your work on the MLB Network. And we thank you so much for your time, Bob. Thanks, Doug. Always good to talk to you. All right, that's uh, Emmy Award-winning broadcaster Bob Costas. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Every week at this time, we're joined by Greg Cosell from NFL Films. It's just awesome. Uh, Now we get a little bit more condensed. There's only four teams to talk about. He's done all the film study. He's done this for 40 years. So he knows the history of it. He knows the feeling of it, but more than anything, he knows the teams, and he'll teach us some stuff. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, the other great part about this is we actually have both of these two matchups having previously occurred during the regular season. So I, I know it doesn't tell us exactly what's going to happen, but it does give us a sense of how it may happen. How, how, how much do you think the regular season games will parallel these two games, Greg? 
Well, I think what's interesting, and you know this, Doug, from when you played in sports, is that there are certain concepts and, and thematic things that the teams do that they're going to do regardless of who their opponent is. And so there's, you know, for instance, the Patriots probably have a pretty good sense of how the Chiefs will play them defensively. Now, Bob Sutton, the coordinator for the Chiefs, will certainly have some tweaks and some adjustments, and in his mind he'll probably try to call the game differently. But when all said and done, the core concepts won't be completely different. Same with the Rams offense, for instance. The Rams offense has a certain set of core concepts that they run every single week. They're not going to change what they are. Um, Bob Sutton's defense has been much maligned, and yet it seemed to perform really, really well last week. How much of that was the defense? How much of that was the Colts' offense? And um, whether it was conservative or cold or not used to the conditions, they look slow, and uh, they look like they're mashed at the point of attack, something that hadn't happened most of the season. I think it was a combination of things. I I don't think Andrew Luck threw the ball particularly well. I thought his arm actually looked a little tired. Um, I think the way the game started with the Chiefs scoring touchdowns on their first two possessions and then a field goal on their third to make it 17-0 really prevented the Colts from sort of being able to get off the snide, so to speak, and developing any sense of rhythm with their offense. The game became a little desperate far too early. Uh, so I think it was a combination of things. I don't think the Chiefs did anything outside of what they normally do. Uh, you know, one thing you lose sight of when teams make it to the playoffs is you lose sight very often of the, of the weaknesses that given teams have. And from studying film for so long, when a team's weaknesses get exploited in a given game, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, okay, so what what about this match? Now, we, we saw the Patriots just line up in a lot of power football. Can they do that? Is that the plan, you think, against Kansas City Chiefs? Well, they did that pretty well against the Chiefs Week 6, for instance. But this particular week when they beat the Chargers, uh, it was set up for them to do so because the Chargers made a decision, uh, Doug, to essentially line up with six defensive backs as their base defense. So, in other words, when the Patriots had either uh, the fullback on the field or had two tight ends on the field, then the Chargers remained with six defensive backs. That's not going to happen against the Chiefs, although that is one element of this game that's interesting. How will the Chiefs personnel-wise respond to, let's say, what we call 21 personnel, which has two backs on the field, including the fullback Devlin? Will they go with their base defense, or will they go with their nickel defense? So it'll be interesting to see. That's one element of this game from a personnel standpoint. You know, you mentioned the Chargers defense. They're not really an adjustment defense. They, you know, they play zone. They're a zone team. That's how they play, and they play with the six defensive backs, and that's who they are. What about the Chiefs? Who are who are they in terms of man versus zone, and what they do predominantly, or are they an adjustment team? Well, they're predominantly a man-to-man defense. Uh, And, of course, having said that, that doesn't mean you play man 100% of the time, as you well know. But I would say their core coverage foundation is man, and uh, that's the way they'll play. Now, they'll play zone depending on the situation. I'm sure if it's third and 11 or 12, they might go zone. Uh, But at their their core, they will play man-to-man coverage. And it'll be interesting to see who they line up at safety this given week. I don't know if Eric Berry is due to play or not. Um, Gronkowski is obviously can be a matchup issue. Um, he's not the same player he's been in the past, but he's still someone you obviously can't take lightly. So he'll he'll be a player that they'll have to match up to, and we'll see who they do that with. Um, 
you know, their safeties in this game are different than the safeties they played with week six. Sorensen has been back for quite some time. Daniel Sorensen, he often lines up and, and covers the tight end. Jordan Lucas, it could be Eric Murray. They'll, they'll mix and match when they play man uh, versus Gronkowski. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. All right, what about uh, the, the what about the Patriots? They seem to dare um, they seem to dare the Chargers to attack them in man to man on first down with with Williams and and until late in the game the Chargers didn't really do it. They were very conservative with their game plan. Um, it doesn't feel like you can do that against Kansas City Chiefs, right? You can't dare the Kansas City Chiefs to make plays. No, and, and again, one of the reasons I really love when we get into these just two games left is to really get into the nuts and bolts of tactics. And obviously people can't see all this, but there's there's some specific things, tendencies that the Chiefs offense has based on formation and based on where people are in the formation, and, and that involves mostly Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Now, the Patriots will be well aware of that, which doesn't mean you stop it, because Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill is the kind of player that can outrun coverage and get on the top of coverage, and you have to talk when you defend him. You have to spend a lot of time talking about taking different angles and playing with a little different sense of leverage than you might against a more normal player because he can run by you, and that's the last thing you want to have happen. But there are defined tendencies that the Chiefs have based on what we like to call receiver distribution and location. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. First glance, or actually more than first glance, what do you think happens in this game? Oh, um... I think it'll, you know, again, weather now apparently is supposed to be an issue. I guess it's supposed to be zero degrees. So, I, yes. you know, not, not being someone who likes to stand outside when it's zero degrees, Doug, I don't know what that means as far as playing football. Um, in a normal circumstance, I would say the game would likely be relatively high scoring again as the week six game was, but I can't say that based on the weather. But I think from a tactical perspective, you'd be looking at a, at a higher scoring game. Yeah. Um, you know, if I had to pick a team to win this, uh, I would probably pick the Chiefs, but I think we're looking at a competitive game. Yeah. All right, let's go to the other side. Uh, weather not a factor in the Dome. And nope. it, is a, it, is a, it is a rematch. Two high-scoring offenses, but uh, the, the, the Saints had to find a way to win, didn't play their best game, and missed a field goal and still nearly won, you know, still nearly, uh, nearly lost, if not for right. uh, Alshon, Alshon Jeffrey's drop. Was there something the Eagles were able to do that the Rams can duplicate? Well, I think for the most part over the last part of the season that the Rams, excuse me, the uh, Saints' pass game has not been quite as efficient through through four quarters of play. They still make some plays. Breeze obviously made some outstanding throws to Michael Thomas last week in critical game situations, and they're certainly capable of that. You know, we talked about last week, I, I mentioned how I thought Ted Ginn would be important, and the first play of the game, they sent him down the seam, and he did run by late in his route, uh, Crevion LeBlanc, and, and uh, Breeze under through the ball, and it was intercepted. So I still think that Ginn can be a factor in the game. Um, but their offense has not been quite as sharp. Their run game has been very inconsistent and, and somewhat inefficient for a good part of the season. So their offense is not quite the same as when they played Week 9. What about, um, what about the Rams' offense? This is a team that they use C.J. Anderson in addition to Todd Gurley. Yep. And seemed to mash the Dallas Cowboys. They did. How'd they do that? 
Well, they did it a couple of different ways, and it was really good. First of all, they used tempo really, really effectively. And so what that did is it forced the Cowboys to be very static defensively. They couldn't move people. They couldn't react to formations because they got up to the line of scrimmage. Now, Goff didn't always snap the ball right away. A few times he did. But when you're standing there ready to snap the ball, the defense can't communicate. They can't move around. They can't adjust and react to your formations. They just have to line up. So they made the Cowboys very static. The other thing they did, and again, this is the tactical nature of football, they they attacked the Dallas Cowboys' defensive front. And without going into all the specifics of the front, they ran to the weakness of the defensive front, and they did it over and over again. And the Cowboys did not really get a chance to adjust that significantly because of the nature of the tempo. Hmm. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Again, hard to tell exactly who's going to win, and there's lots of things in the game. But your general sense, who's the better team in this game? Um, you know, I think the Saints defense overall is better and has played better. Obviously, the Rams defense did play very well against the run last week. I thought some individuals really performed at a high level. Sue, I thought, played really, really well. Um, you know, I'd probably pick the Saints, but again, I could see this game not as high scoring as the first one, but I think this game could be high 20s. And, I, you know, I think that the Rams, they, they've struggled a bit down the stretch as well, but I think that they're schematically, they produce opportunities both in the run game and for Goff in the pass game. You know, what's interesting about you pointing out the tempo that the Rams used is people have forgotten that you go back to last year and that was one of the things that Sean McVay brought, right? Well, let's play with tempo. Yep. And they, they did so at that time, so that his young quarterback could get instructions from him in his ear up until the 15-second mark, but it also yep. allowed the de- made the defense to stay static. They hadn't used that this year, for the most part, up until the, the, up until the playoffs. It's an interesting to have that kind of in their back pocket, no? Oh, without question. And I think you'll see that. Um, because, you know, you're looking for any advantage you can get, so why not use it? I mean, I know people say, well, that, that somehow speaks negatively about Goff. No, it doesn't. It just gives you another advantage. I mean, when you get up to the line of scrimmage right away, you know, the defense can't really do a whole lot because they have to be ready for the ball to be snapped. It could be snapped, you know, right away, which the Rams did a number of times versus the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah, it's great stuff. It's going to be a fun game. Can't wait to see the matchup show. Of course, check them out uh, on NFL Films. Thanks so much for joining us, and we appreciate you being our guest on Fox Sports Radio. Doug, appreciate it. Thanks so much. Greg Cosell joining us from NFL Films breaks it down as well or better than anyone has ever done it. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when this thought hits you. Okay, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, the whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe available early 2024. Hi everyone, I'm Paul Anka And I'm Skip Bronson And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies You get our way A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun This is our podcast and we're going to do it our way Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.